well, happy birthday to us because one year ago on September 12th, 2021, Six Queens launched its first episode. I mean, I can't believe it's been a year. It really doesn't feel like it's been that long. Well, and it's been longer technically because we did a lot of work before we launched, obviously, like we had the idea, we got organized, uh, we recorded a few episodes to have in our back pocket. So it's been, it's been longer, but in terms of like actually having people listen and react to us and. That was, I remember that being quite a stressful weekend of it going up originally on YouTube and us to be like refreshing the page of who's listened to it. One person. Oh, that's exciting. Is it someone we know? Yes. Okay. Refresh. Is that someone yeah. we know? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Can we count our friends and family in the statistics technically? If we, you know, kind of guilted them into listening to it. Did they stay for the whole episode? We just merely pointed them in the direction of where to find it. Yeah. And uh, actually, shout out to all of our friends who, you know, grudgingly listened to the first episode, but have since listened to all of the episodes because they're actually interested in or or like what we're doing that's always really gratifying and when people say that they they enjoy listening to it and things like that whether it's people that we know on you know social media or something it's just so nice and i know i suppose now they seem a bit arbitrary but when we were thinking about setting this all up and thinking where we wanted to be by christmas and then by this time now like so last year where we wanted to be this this time this year we kind of said ourselves like the kind of what was it we wanted like 500 people to be following us on twitter and do you know what for like the work that we've put in we're not far off so i think we've done we've done it i think a good job of making content but everyone who's kind of listened and subscribed and follows us on twitter instagram has done a good job of keeping us alive so thank you so much in preparation for this i looked at all of our uh, statistics all of our analytics because for the series two opener um i listened to it and we were all we were very excited about like how many countries we'd reached and everything and that was um when did we record that like in in january so it's even been a while since then but since series two aired we have a lot more stats and they sound way more impressive than they did before so now we can say that we have reached 25 countries around the world. And thanks to some friends in Nigeria, shout out to you, we are on every continent besides Antarctica. So yeah, we have the US, the UK, Australia, the Netherlands, France, Nigeria, Brazil, Finland, Canada, Sweden, Albania, Germany, Austria, Chile, Spain, New Zealand, India, Romania, Thailand, Colombia, Denmark, Iran, Italy, Cambodia, and Slovenia. The way you read that, you're missing a job out on Eurovision. And just again, a very big thank you to everybody who has, whether you've been on holiday, whether you actually live there, um, for tuning in and staying with us or coming to find us because I think this has been, it's been a journey of discovery for us so far in the last year, but also hopefully a journey of discovery and fun for you as well. Yeah, we've put out... 16 episodes which is is wow uh considering that we have other things to do and (laughs) more than one day job we have been streamed 2257 times across all of our platforms our most popular episode is uh our season two closer our finale that most holy queen 
And uh, hey, ladies, 91% of our listeners are female, with the rest being male or not identifying. And the majority of people who are listening to us are our fellow millennials, people ages 23 to 44. And as I said, most are from the US. So hey, guys. That's a long, we've come a long way in a short 12 months. So again, thank you. And also well done to you. Yeah, good job to you too. We're pretty good at this, right? I'm Kate. I'm Callie. We're two friends who met in an early modern history MA. Welcome to the Six Queens podcast, where queenship reigns supreme. So without further ado, um, you guys had some questions and we're going to give you some answers. I applaud you all, though, um, as we said on Twitter the other day, none of the questions were overly stalkery. I was a little bit concerned that we would get like a, um, you know, where do you live? Like, which one is which? But we didn't get any of those. The closest we got was, where are you from? And it was later clarified to be an accent thing. Um, I mean, I don't know where you're from, but I'm clearly from Boston. I'm from the north of England. Um, I've got the Yorkshire broad going on very clearly. And my mom was from Glasgow. <laughs> I think the world's in that one. <laughs> no, I know because 70% of our listeners are from the US, I know this is directed at you and not me. But for anyone interested, I am from um, I'm from Maryland right outside of DC. Well, I live, uh, yeah, no, just outside of London. So very southern. Sorry, but no Cockney accents here. A lot of people, though, are interested, apparently, in in the cultural dynamic. Um, like, I get a lot of people who, who listen and give me feedback, and a lot of what they say is that they actually do enjoy the mix of not just our accents, but, like, I think our, like, our backgrounds and um, how, yeah. we, how we come at the same subject from clearly, like, different paths. That seems to have resonated with a lot of people, which is nice, because I think that is something that makes us unique. And so we, so we did get a few questions about just in general the um the cultural differences so somebody did ask uh do we live in the same place or do we have to deal with time zones and um it is it is the latter we have to account for the time zones which got kind of hairy um around daylight savings time oh my god (laughs) when we were recording um when we were recording for an episode for series two i i have all of your like holiday dates and everything on my Google calendar. So usually I'm really on top of that. But for this sometime, for some reason, this time I was not. And so it ended up having, we had a hold to do about like what time it was. Uh, so that leads kind of nicely into the third um, geographic related question. And um, that is, do you ever have trouble understanding each other through your accents slash cultural differences? No? No. I think the only time there is a problem is when I've had too much caffeine and I just talk exceptionally quickly. Like yeah, if, I, if I said something like, oh, it's cold, I need to put a sweater on. There's not a moment of like, what, what are you talking about? No, I think the biggest thing is probably the difference between a scone and a biscuit like that you have with your dinner. I still none the wiser about a biscuit with gravy. Yeah, that's an education that you're going to have to have someday. 
and I'm very much looking forward to it. But all I have in my head is the idea of a soggy scone. Soggy only if you've prepared it incorrectly. Interesting. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, no, this is this. We don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very topical, and I think people will be interested. This is the hard hitting stuff. <laughs> this is what you signed up for one year later. <laughs> um, yeah, but to answer that, um, um, no, no, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> we we have a hive mind, and it's just sometimes we use different words to describe the same things. But it's, you know, it, it's quite weird, if I'm honest, like how similar <laughs> I think we are, given that we literally live oceans apart. <laughs> Someone's actually sent us a really good question of what is your Tudor history pet peeve? And I know we both have a lot of these. Yeah, pick one. <laughs> well, what would be yours? You go first. Yeah, when we got this, I was thinking about it and mine's going to be kind of petty. Like I could go into a lot of things, but I'm going to go for the petty one because I think it's funnier. My Tudor history pet peeve is when people insist on spelling the name Catherine with a C despite the fact oh. that all of the queens named Catherine consistently signed their names with K's. Like the spelling, the spelling of Catherine itself changed, but consistently yeah. with the K. Like Catherine of Aragon had the K embroidered on her necklace. Um, the book that Elizabeth made for Catherine Parr, the initials are KP, they're not CP. For some reason, I think in the UK, everyone kind of defaults to Catherine being spelled with a C. So I think it's just like a result of that. But it, yeah, that irritates me. That's my pet peeve. No, I get that one though, because it's really annoying when you're researching and you'll type it with a K and then like Google's a big one for it. You type it into Google and it means it'll come up sometimes like, did you mean Catherine with a C? Well, no, I didn't. I, I meant it with a K. That's why I spelled it with a K. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I myself spell my Catherine with a K. But <laughs> I swear. <laughs> And two, like, I think everybody, there's an inconsistency within the history community of how to spell these names, because a lot of people yeah. will try to do a spelling that is closer to how they would have spelled it. Yeah. I, I've seen, especially for Catherine Howard, because we had that letter that she signed with her name, people spell it like that, like K-A-T-H-E-R-Y-N. But there was no consistency. So I kind of feel like we just need to pick one, but that yeah. has to be a K. Because nowhere, unless we're talking about Catherine of Aragon being Catalina, uh, the Spanish version of her name, which is spelled with a C, unless we are talking about that, there is no good reason why you should be using a C to spell Catherine. Mine is to do with Henry VII and the fact he gets ignored constantly. I mean, I think it's more largely to do with the fact that Henry VIII's reign is so dramatic like when you say the tutors, like or like think about the show, the tutors. Uh, I mean, other tutors are in there, obviously, but it's like when you say the tutors, that's who you're focusing on. I mean, even when we were deciding on the name for this podcast, I was reluctant to. We didn't want to call it anything to do with wives because we obviously we want to give them agency and we don't want to define them just by their marital status. Yeah. But I did feel bad saying sometimes like the six tutor queens because in the back of my mind, Elizabeth of York was being like, but also me. <laughs> I mean, she has a point. <laughs> maybe my maybe my pet peeve isn't that Henry VII gets forgotten about. Maybe my pet peeve is to do with Henry VIII. Maybe I just think he gets far too much attention. But, you know, if you're going to cause that much tension, you know, if you are going to have six wives and people, it is going to be far more salacious and a little bit more interesting than the man who... <laughs> 
ended a war and stabilized a country and actually made enough money for his son to do all of these things. I think that the, the ground laying is more, in, not more interesting, but it's just as interesting. Speaking of which, that leads us quite nicely onto a, another question. Kate, who are your favorite historians to follow? Can I tell people your Dan Jones story? <laughs> I'm never letting this down. I'm never coming back on the internet ever again. Nope. Um, okay, so I can answer this for Callie and say that one of her favorite historians to follow is indeed Dan Jones. And so much so that one day um, when Callie was living near the Kennington Oval and Dan Jones was there to see the cricket, um, Callie tried to send me a message about how exciting it was that he was down the street from her. But little did she know she did not send it to me. She sent it directly to Mr. Jones. It's something I'm never going to be able to live down. Embarrassed was not the word, and I just don't think I'm ever going to... No, it was just mortifying. I remind you of that at least twice a year. You know, it's my job. That is also... Uh, uh, it goes on uh, when I go on dates. Uh, what's your most embarrassing story? Well, you'll never guess what I did. <laughs> did he ever respond? He never responded, right? He was just like, oh, oh who's this creep? He, he opened it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to... Uh, pivot and ask one of our more like specifically history related questions so like not our opinions um or like our favorites but an actual historic question and it's one that I kind of had an idea that we would get because it's one of the big Tudor mysteries let's say do we think that Catherine of Aragon and her first husband Prince Arthur actually consummated their marriage I know the listener that sent us in that question. They had a, they were very short. They were, their answer was, yes, I think so, because they were two teenagers, which I really love. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm inclined to disagree, though. I'm inclined to say no. I'm also inclined to say no. Like, if we have to, if we have to answer the question, I kind of think it's counterproductive to even wonder if I'm honest, because it doesn't really matter now. But um, no. yeah, I'm inclined to say that I don't, I don't think, I think she was telling the truth. I don't think that they did just because, and I know a lot of people kind of think that this isn't wholly accurate, but um, I think we have to remember that at that time, swearing oaths wasn't as light as it is now. Um, like if I swore to you something, I know that there would necessarily not be any repercussions for it. But to somebody like Catherine of Aragon, who was from that period and who was particularly pious, swearing however many oaths she did that this was true. And yeah, I'm, I tend to believe that. That was kind of my thought as well. You know, just she was very, very religious. And I think I suppose I don't I, I don't think always think of their kind of knowledge of around sex and things like that to be the same as maybe ours now. You know, those conversations aren't as open or whether or not she did it it doesn't matter because you know the history happened no I, I agree the only, the only reason we do talk about it is because it became an inconvenience for him so maybe let's do another history question while we're kind of on the topic uh there's one about uh Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn clearly didn't have it very good is there evidence that wives three through six were hesitant or scared to marry the king? Did they really think that they would have better luck? With double question marks. So it's like, did they really think this? You know, it was one of those things. It wasn't 
so much it was uh you do it out of duty because you've been told you have to so on you go yeah i'm thinking um wives three through six so jane seymour Anne of cleese catherine howard and catherine parr the only one i can think of who maybe did have like some ounce of actual say in it was catherine parr because catherine parr um we know kind of wrestled over the decision and ultimately decided that she could do a, she ha- could do a lot of good if she became queen and that influenced her decision but women have no agency and young women have even yeah less amounts of agency so the other ones were told to marry henry and had no option other like it just it comes down to that whether or not they were scared or they thought you know that something would happen to them was a moot point um because it's it's what you do although that's not to say that the rest of the world wasn't reacting um because there's that one lovely quote from um christina of milan who henry was courting um after after jane seymour died and she i'm paraphrasing here but she said basically that if she had another head to spare she would gladly marry the king of england i think everybody needs that needle pointed on a cushion somewhere (laughs) yeah um because i mean so many we we say stuff like that all the time about henry but just to know that somebody said it like almost to him directly is very special so brilliant another fun one that we have is um actually surprise it's from Callie's cousin Emily who said you are both clearly awesome at history well thanks um but what subject or subjects were you rubbish at and she gives us the insider knowledge that Callie's is definitely geography and maths I'm starting to feel very attacked on this episode (laughs) I feel like most people who have leaned more heavily towards the humanities have done so because they have no natural ability for maths or science or anything quantitative so i would i would say mine is maths as well science i quite liked um i quite enjoyed physics but until it got to the mathy part and i was like no we're done yeah you have to have i think the natural patience and ability to work with numbers and i do not so liberal arts so we did have another fun one actually which i think people are always curious about it was what are our opinions on the the musical six okay (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not a fan and it's not because of the like people always assume when i say i'm not a fan they think it's because it's you know it's not accurate or whatever or I'm being a snob it's actually just because I don't like the music um it's just it's not the genre of music that I listen to I just it's just not my thing but I like the idea of it and I like that it's getting more people interested in the women and not just the romance story um and I will say that looking at our our analytics and everything the majority of people who find our podcast from outside sources are here because they're they've clearly seen or listened to six and they want to know more so I I always applaud that It it definitely does a good job at starting conversations like you said and I think with six as well what they do of a good job of is telling individual stories and for the purpose of a musical they do it in a chronological order but again it's almost had that part about uniting them together uh, which is quite nice 
I've embarrassed Callie, so I'll tell an embarrassing story. We were at, uh, you were there too, and then we we broke off for some reason, but uh, we were at some event with some people that we did our MA with, and we were talking about Six because it had just recently come out. And um, at this point, I don't think I'd listened to any of the music yet, but I had an idea or I'd listened to some and I had the idea that it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea. The person I was I ended up talking to and I still remember it was on Blackfriars Bridge um, and I was screaming about how much I hated the song that one of the songs from Six. The girl I was talking to knows the people who wrote the damn thing. And she was like, and then she like, in response to me talking about this, that's all she said was, oh, well, yeah, they're my friends. <laughs> I remember you telling me that story. <laughs> um, Yeah. So yeah, she was like, oh yeah, they were like my best friends at Cambridge. And I was like, God oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, the weather's really nice. <laughs> Well, luckily, um, I think after we crossed the bridge, like one of us was, you know, going left and one of us was going right. So it was sort of like a, you know, okay, I'll never talk to you again. Bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I, though, it's like, it's not to say that if you say, oh, I really like six or I got interested in the, in the history because I saw six, I'm yeah. not going to judge you for it. I don't care. But yeah. please don't ask me to go see it with you because I will just not enjoy it. <laughs> sort of in the same vein, um, somebody did ask us, um, you know, what do we watch in terms of drama about the tutors? Like, what's our what's our go-to favorite tutor-related drama? And I'm making the assumption that when they ask this question, they mean in terms of accuracy, because I get asked this question in real life all the time, and that's always yeah. what I want to know. Like, which one is worth watching because it's accurate? I think we have to say what's on this one, don't we? <laughs> Let's say it on the count of three. One, two, two three. Wolf wolf wolf. Wolf. <laughs> we can fix that in post. <laughs> and I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, but it's biased and blah, blah, blah. But in terms of just the feel of the period, I get tired of the romance, to be quite honest with you. The trope now in Tudor-related media since Wolf Hall has been to focus on the politics and any kind yeah. of personal romantic drama in equal parts, if not focusing more on the politics. So I always have to be appreciative of that. So moving away slightly then from the cinematic uh, productions of our queens, we did get another actually really good question that I think stopped, made us both stop and think was, what is your favorite or do you think is the best portrait of one of the queens? Uh, very easy for me. It is the full-length portrait of Catherine Carr at um, the National Portrait Gallery in London. It's so good. <laughs> Just seeing it in person is is magical, and the detail in it is so good. I had to really think about this one. I think mine is of Jane Seymour as part of the um, the Tudor legacy painting. The one with Elizabeth and Mary and yeah, yeah. For some reason, I just feel like it fits her, and she she belongs in that painting. I know, and I don't know why Jane comes alive in that painting as part of something big. I get that, um, and it the the history and the story behind it is also so interesting. Like you can look at it and appreciate it as a work of art, but then you start to say, like, well, did you know that she had been dead for years when this was painted? And it's <laughs> like, and then it leads into an interesting story. Another sort of Tudor controversy question that I guess 
the people want to know our opinion on is um did Anne Boleyn actually sleep with her of five accused lovers this is an interesting one isn't it because it's something that I think we've again we've discussed at length regarding legacy and um the lasting legacies of these women especially people like Anne because everybody loves a good scandal but hers is one that's kind of just taken on a life of its own I think there's a lot of people out there that probably wanted it to be true Cromwell himself you know at the top of that list but I I don't think so no that's, that's it that's what I've got to say moving on <laughs> who is your favorite Tudor who is not one of our queens and we all know that it's Henry the Seventh. So you're going to have to pick another person. And I'm going to wait for you to say Thomas More. Um, I was going for Margaret Beaufort, actually. Oh, I would say my non-obvious one is, eh, I, no, I lied. It's, it's, it's obvious as well. But I have to say that Thomas Cromwell is just so interesting. And I mean, even before Wolf Hall, Wolf Hall sort of solidified my interest yeah. in him. And it was so gratifying once everybody else started to take an interest in him. But like, even when you read like old school, um, Jeffrey Elton, um, just Cromwell is such an interesting layered figure. And I always am attracted to the historic figures where you kind of have to peel through the layers of like commentary to actually try to figure out who they were and Cromwell is still very elusive even after that <laughs> process um so having having chosen um Margaret Beaufort and Cromwell as our um alternate favorite tutors uh mm -hmm. would you want to go back in time to meet them or see them oh Margaret Beaufort from a distance because she scares me I think that would be my answer in general um, for like any kind of time traveling question, which is also another very stereotypical, stereotypical question that history people get asked. Yeah. Um, that and like the you're having a dinner party, who do you invite? But yeah, my answer is that I would prefer to see it rather than like be part of it. Like, I don't know, I would just, I would want it, I would want to watch like a movie version of it or like you're on an observation deck or something. Yeah they don't see me and I'm not interacting and I don't have to smell them. <laughs> oh, that's true. Or have that breath anywhere near you. Yeah. But then I'm always conflicted by this because also I really want to walk down like through Tudor London. But uh, there would be some questions that I would want to ask them, but I feel like that would give you away. Um, yeah. You, know, you just were like randomly at court and you walked up to Margaret Beaufort and you're like, you know, I don't know. Hey, did you kill the you know two york princes she'd be like um bye <laughs> by the way we know she didn't i'm just i'm just using that i just from a purely nerd point of view i see how badly wrong it goes with doctor who and i'm not that smart so you wouldn't be able to get myself out of this situation so um trying to find another one i think we're getting towards the bottom i do actually have a question for you that we had not prepared Ooh. Oh, <laughs> we just talked about our favourite um, portraits of Tudor queens. Do you have a favourite portrait from the Tudor period that's not of one of the queens? Because I feel like I do. You go first while I... You have a little thinking. I really like the one of Cromwell. Yeah. I'm an Elizabeth nerd, so Elizabeth has so many wonderful, iconic portraits, and it's just so fun to pick them apart that... Um, I would I would probably pick one of those 
sorry, I didn't mean to just start throwing questions in there for you that were planned. <laughs> this is for the people, not you. Uh, there's there's this kind of lovely one about, um, you know, do you two still discover new things about the queens that fascinate and amaze you, but also where do you learn these new facts? I think the short answer for that for both of us is yes. I think we do absolutely find new things and um, yeah, always, all the time. It's going to sound a bit cheesy, but I think it's a privilege that like you know we're able to do this. You know, go spend a Saturday afternoon in like a library or something, or you know, go just kind of let your mind wander and think, oh, actually, that's a really good idea for an episode. Like, well, let's go see what's out there and let's go and put it together. Well, I think one of the great things about doing this podcast, even just for us as the people who are talking about the things, is that the way that we've structured the podcast where we're talking about these women more focused and thematically rather than just like going in order and telling their life stories or something is that we get to make all of these connections between them and even if it's old information it's looking at it in new ways and maybe it helps yeah. you kind of piece together what their lives were like and their experiences so that's really fun and it's always fun when um very rarely but it seems to be like the last few years I guess everyone was inside and bored um so they were reading <laughs> old stuff but it seems to me like there were a lot of like really interesting discoveries lately like um you know people finding long lost documents in the national archives or um some some piece of art turns up at auction and there's a lot of stir online about it there's been a few of those lately um which is which is nice Oh, also, um, in terms of how we learn new things, shout out to technology. Because, yes. Yeah, uh, you know, being able to like x-ray portraits, um, for instance, or like date certain things or, um, yeah, so that's a big way of how we find new things. So we've reached our final question, but it's going to be maybe kind of a, a long one, which is why we saved it. And it's one that you get a lot uh, when you tell people that you you have this um, you have this podcast is which one is your favorite and I propose as I think I've said on the podcast before that it's kind of dumb to have a favorite one because they're all so interesting and what people tend to do when they pick a favorite is to pit their favorite against all the other ones yeah um, which is why and it's exactly what we don't want to do here. Like I'm not, I refuse to choose a favorite. And instead I propose that we rework the question into let's go down the list and say what our favorite thing about every queen is. So starting off with Catherine of Aragon, who you, what was your favorite thing about her? When I was six, my favorite thing about her was that she was also named Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you're not six <laughs> now that it, <laughs> um <laughs> i think mine will forever be her tenacity and her steadfastness like yeah that kind of goes without saying too is, i know you have to admire that about her I, you do others have called her stubborn others have called her many other things but i think it for me it is that uh, and this isn't to say that it's it's not a trait that she shares with the other ones, but something I think about too, because Catherine was queen for so long, um, in you know contrast with the others, there's just this sense of like regality that oozes off of her. This woman who knows exactly who she is and has this like gravitas and um, yeah, no, I I I completely agree with you about her. 
moving then swiftly on to Anne. As Henry did. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing about Anne is that's we don't we know don't know so much about her that it's it's hard to say what your favorite thing about Anne is and not think about like a portrayal of her or like your idea of her so I'm gonna lean into that and say that my favorite thing about Anne is how like enigmatic she is um because that was also something that at the time people thought of her and why I think she was so attractive to Henry is that she was very like yeah enigmatic and um she still is the fact that we cannot pin her down is what makes her so attractive to people um yeah Jane Seymour is another one where it's kind of hard to say because there's so many question marks she's a bit tricky to to nail down because I think all of that rhetoric that we have about her is just she was Henry's greatest love and Henry couldn't go on without her and I think what I liked is that when she became queen she tried to go toe-to-toe with Henry on a couple of occasions and was testing the water about where her limits were and then finding the the kind of sweet spot in between being a wife and being a queen I think that's the thing I admire most about Jane it's very easy I think to say of Anna Cleves that your favorite thing about her is that she you know took the money and ran I'm gonna say though my favorite thing about her is actually that she adapted to the new life so easily yeah um like not only did she take the money and run but she established herself as like a really vital member of the court like she was so respected um you know Mary and Elizabeth just adored her like she became really good friends with her stepdaughter Mary especially even Henry liked to hang out with her so I think she's just cool that is the word for her oh for sure like I said, you would want to go, we would all want to go to Richmond and hang out with her. I think the one we, I know I struggle with the most, I think more than Jane, is Catherine, how young she was, and I think that the sad and short life that she had. That being said, the thing I admire most about her is the way she handled herself with grace and dignity at the end. She was a very mature, I think, it, especially at the end, very brave. Yeah, like you said, she showed so much dignity at the end. But then I'm also thinking of um, an incident we covered on the podcast with her accepting Anna Cleves at court for, you know, their yes. first sort of new year together and their first court revelry together. And they were just so, she was just so mature about it. You know, thank you for coming, um, you know, not being all awkward about it. Just she could have very easily have made that awkward and given people something to talk about and gossip about but she didn't so every once in a while you I feel like you get that glimpse into the woman that she could have and would have become had she been allowed to and then last but by no means least Catherine Parr my favorite thing about Catherine Parr is her shoe collection (laughs) No, I mean, I'm sure I would like it, but um, I think mine's her dances of danger. Yeah, and how she got out of them. So many times. Her ability to advocate for herself is next bloody level, if I'm honest, of and knowing how court works and how to play the game that had taken down so many other people. Yeah, she's definitely a, um, a force to be reckoned with that way. Very, very, very smart. 
Indeed. favorite thing that we've done with this podcast what have you enjoyed the most so far i say this like we're ending we're not ending just (laughs) my favorite thing so far is i think like i said getting the opportunity to look at all these people in a different way and um see what that tells us about them so like when we think of episodes and we're brainstorming we think about thing we start very broadly and then we kind of move in and as we move in we focus in our research that we have to do and we end up learning so much about the women because we're linking them to each other that's been the best part hopefully we make them come alive in a way that people don't expect them to and again put them at the, the center of what they're doing and i think that's the most exciting thing that we i think that we do yeah. So thank you for everybody for humoring us and sending us questions. It's quite nice as well, like being able to reflect on what we've done in the last year because it's been a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. We have. I think it was interesting before we started recording, you said that somebody recently asked you, like, do you worry about running out of things? Because we did choose a very specific topic. You know, all the other tutor podcasts probably more intelligently um did not narrow their horizons um it's just it's just about the Tudor dynasty or the period in general whereas we're like no these six specific people um <laughs> nope we're not worried no. hopefully you're not worried if you are worried send us in some suggestions for um, episodes because we have covered quite a lot of stuff but there's so much that we haven't talked about and so many like when we first came up with the idea for the podcast we basically came up with ideas to cover like five years of podcast material so we're, set. we're not going anywhere anytime soon <laughs> no, there's there's so much to talk about so many more like thematic groups that we can put these queens into and talk about it no it's, it's just quite exciting to see where our, the, the next kind of series takes us and into 2023 which is mad to say in and of itself but um just to kind of keep doing this and see where you know where we are this time next year so happy birthday to six queens 